you get into all these kind of crazy arguments and interactions because your nervous systems aren't well regulated because you're not relaxed with each other. And then you're just, you know, putting out fires and, and really there's a kind of a grassroots, like the bottom up uh, orientation that starts to dis- dispel all of that craziness. Welcome to another episode of Dear Men. I'm really excited to have a bona fide couples therapist with us today. Please welcome to the program, Ryan Jin, who is a couples therapist in Ashland, Oregon. Ryan, thank you for being here with us. Happy to be here. So um, I was hoping to hear from you just a little bit about um, what the main reasons are that people come to couples therapy um, and, and in particular, like, is it usually one or the other member of the couple? And if so, how does that go in counseling? Um, uh, usually it's, it's, it's both to some degree. I mean, in my experience these days, I think that, that there's, le- there's less of the, uh, there's less of the, the wife dragging the husband, at least in my, in my experience, maybe it's my clientele. Uh, I think usually it's, it's both, both realize that they're at an impasse, that they're just repeating patterns of, of interaction of, you know, maybe it's even escalating into pretty uh, consistent fighting and then distancing. So, yeah, I see them, I see them coming in together and sorry, the other part of the question is like, what are they coming in for? Yeah, like what are the two or three most common sort of issues that they're coming for? Yeah, I if mean, they fall into categories like that, I don't know. Maybe everyone's coming for something totally different. Well, it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of how they frame it, right? I mean, m- most commonly, it's they'll they'll say it's it's communication, right? Say we're having you know, we have communication challenges, um, and that that is when you drill down. That's that's. Well, it's a, it's a it's a blanket term for 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 them not having really sorted out what they both need to feel um, to feel understood and feel gotten, feel safe, uh, all kinds of things, right? And they might think that it's I think maybe because we live in such a verbal culture. They may think that it's, well, I just maybe need some communication techniques, but in, in reality, there's, there's a, a lot of work often to be done around how, how each partner can learn to properly attune to the other. Okay. So I'm kind of going into all that because <laughs> um, that's just my, my orientation. So getting back to some of the other reasons that, people, that, that couples come in. Uh, I would say that they come in because their their relationship has shifted dramatically from from where how it felt in the beginning, and maybe they're not fighting, but maybe they're just actually really considering uh, 
breaking up because because it just feels the connections lost they're uh they're not not having they're not having the conversations that they know they need to have they're avoiding things um so I would bucket it yeah. yeah so this is really interesting because what i'm hearing is like there's this sort of category of okay we're together and we're fighting about the same things <laughs> over and over and over and then there's we've been together for a while maybe we've lost the spark or whatever we're thinking about getting getting divorced or uh breaking up whatever the however the relationship is structured and let's see someone and sort of see before we do that are we there or is this salvageable is that sort of it yeah i think that's a good a, a good way to distill it yeah it's I mean, interesting it's kind of what comes to mind and you know it's, it's hard to generalize you know but i think that's but yeah it's interesting that you mentioned communication because I, as a sex researcher, I am often asking similar questions and that is the number one answer that I get frequently. If I ask people about sex problems or dating problems or relationship problems, communication is almost always the number one problem that people list, but there's a lot that can fall under that. <laughs> oh, so, so yeah, it's almost like a catch-all term for, I don't know how to tell him that the way he fingers me hurts or I don't know how to tell her that I'm attracted to other women. Like it's, people just put down communication. <laughs> They're not necessarily more specific than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause that's how, that's how it shows up kind of symptomatically. I say. Yeah. And I'm wondering, so um, let's talk about the, the first couple that's sort of having the same fight over and over. Um, you know, stereotypically in the literature, it's said that couples most frequently fight about sex and money. Do you find that that's true of the people you see? And then the second part of that question is you mentioned that deep down, it's not usually about what it's about. It's about feeling gotten or safe or heard. So how do you help people get there? Um, well, I do. I end up doing a fair amount of psychoeducation, so I don't, I don't think I. Uh, I don't think I mentioned that I, I'm I'm a packed therapist, so that's a psychobiological approach to couples therapy developed by Stan Tatkin. He's at, at UCLA, so that that's the model, and that that model is based is a more of a, bo- a bottom up approach. So we're looking at the the couple is basically like two nervous systems that are interacting that are affecting each other at lightning speed. Right. So it's not the words as much as it is tone and facial expression uh, and all, and, and not all the nonverbals. So there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole different lens than most people are used to there around that they end up needing to develop. I coach them, you know, into developing a a better understanding of what it actually takes to be in such an intimate relationship, meaning intimate, meaning like there's a, there's, there's, you're having such a profound impact on this other, on this other person's nervous system by everything you do, because you've become their primary attachment figure. So it's, it's not, it's not like they can't can help projecting that on on you, you know, 
or a couple can't help but project that on each other at a certain point in relationship. And that's, right. that's very intense, you know, and that's, that's, yeah, well beyond just basic kind of communication uh, skills or something. It's, it's more about really learning how to take on that responsibility, really. Uh, how to, how to enter into that kind of uh, profoundly uh, sensitive terrain that is, you know, attachment based relationships. Right. So, right. So Dr. Stan Tatkin has a number of books in the field, including Wired for Love and Wired for Dating for those that want to know more about what Ryan's talking about. He also has a Ted talk called relationships are hard, but why? (laughs) Um, And what you're referencing is sort of, I just want to kind of break this down for people that when we get into serious romantic relationships, we sort of transfer our attachment right from say our parents to this person. And now we, we, attached to them or we rely on them, we depend on them, we look to them for safety, assurance, um, approval, things like that. If you could just break that down a little bit, because I don't think it's always very understood. Like, what does that mean to attach to your romantic partner? Right. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, It's, it's, so the, it's based on attachment theory, right? Which is a, a, a body of work that's been being developed for 67 sets of fifties and based on the premise that, you know, our very early, early childhood uh, imprints us, or we, we, in our early childhood, we develop an attachment style, whether we're, whether we're secure or, or insecure with our, with our primary attachment figures or figure, we really just need one, uh, other per, uh, caregiver uh, to to basically either feel that's how we learn what relationship is is it secure or is it in, in insecure and then we develop patterns to if if it is insecure say if our primary caregiver is not attuned to us kind of make you know sort of doesn't respond to us very well we may develop an avoidant attachment style where we uh, just cope on our, on like you see little children just playing forever on their own. They look like they're at peace, but they're actually in a, in a pretty stressful place because they're, they're doing, they're, they're regulating their own nervous system on their own when they really should be in a, in a co-regulatory relationship with their caregiver. So that carries on into adulthood. And so we bring these styles into our relationships they don't show up until, you know, a year or so into the relationship when that other person actually starts to occupy that part of the brain and that nervous system where our previous attachment figures occupied. And then that's where it gets real. I mean, that's where it gets, that, that's where we also start to long, or as I see it, and I've seen it in my own relationship, I start to, because uh, I, I have an avoidant tendency I start to come up against the, the the dysfunctionality of being so avoidant, and I and like and I have to learn. I what well, I have learned how to move towards my partner, 
even though it's scary, even though there's a part of me that says, well, you're not going to actually be responsive. Yeah, that's really important what you just said. And I know we don't have a lot more time with you, but I just want to highlight that part of the way it might look is like, um, I just want to spend more time at the office or I just need to get away or I just want to, you know, go camping alone. Like avoidant isn't always going to look like I'm completely aware that I'm experiencing this fear of attachment, right? It's not going to show up necessarily that way, but someone like you who is aware of it, you have a sense of like, okay, this is where, this is where the work is. I feel scared that let's say if I approach my partner, she'll turn away, but I'm still going to make the effort to do that because I know that I want our bond to be healthy. Yes. That's a great, that's a great way to, to frame it. And that, that, that you're, that the partner, the partner of an avoidant, you know, it's obviously maybe uh, important for them to be aware. Okay. That's, you know, not pathologize it. That's, Oh, that's his, you know, that's, that's the way he's kind of wired. Yeah. The big effort for him to, to move towards, you know, that it shouldn't be just expected. That's a really good point too, because I think that's why awareness around attachment is so important because if we take it personally, if it's like, God, you've been staying at the office so much and we sort of shame or denigrate that person, well, it might exacerbate the issue rather than like, I hear that it was really scary for you to come home today. And I really appreciate that you're here. Yeah. Like there's some soothing because my understanding of a lot of the attachment stuff is learning to soothe ourselves, learning to soothe our partners and kind of taking on the responsibility of I soothe you and you soothe me. And this is part of our bond. Right. And there's this huge learning process. Well, that's, that's never ending. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Around how to, how to soothe, how to soothe this particular one, not, not, not what you think they should want. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. Right. So what actually soothes my partner versus what do I think should soothe my partner? Like, I think that saying everything's fine, we're good, should soothe my partner, but actually she's still stressed out. So what actually works? And that sounds like what you work with couples on. Is that right? Yeah. Just normalizing that that's, that that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm something's coming up in the moment, just thinking about my wife, you know, years, years, years ago, I'd be driving and she'd, uh, she'd be doing what she'd want, right? She'd, she'd uh, start kind of petting my head and I'd just be like, ah, just stop that, you know? And then, you know, she, she took it really kind of personally, right? Like, uh, oh, you don't like my touch. And it was this, you know, uh, right. leap to, oh, then I uh, give up. I give up, you know, I'm not, you, you don't want, you, you don't want me to soothe you. You don't want me. And, and just realizing, no, I, that, that just given how I'm wired, that just feels encroaching and in the moment. Yeah. Smothering. Yeah. Engulfing. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, my nervous system isn't like, oh yes, that's, you know, that's what I need. That's such a, that's a really good concrete, um, uh, example. And I'm curious, like, what did you guys come to in terms of what does soothe you? Yeah, I find that I I really I really love the in, initial uh, eye, to, eye, eye to eye sitting down and just talking a bit about what where, where I'm at, you know, and just 
I, I just, I personally really benefit from really attuned, uh, fully present eyes. Yeah. It sounds like attention. Yeah. Just like attention. Quality attention right. without necessarily the physical touch. And I know for me, I'm almost the opposite where that does help me, but when it, that helps me, but when it comes to actually soothing my nervous system, physical, soothing, physical touch will do it much faster than quality attention. So yeah. that's a good example of where the two of us are different. And it's important to know like what actually works for my partner and what doesn't. I know that we, you have to run away soon. I actually just got a message that I've, I've got another 15 minutes. Oh, great. Oh, look, life just interceded on our behalf. <laughs> Okay, so I'm curious, in, in this vein, when you're working with a couple, and you, you mentioned um, psychoeducation, and I know that can sound like a scary word, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to, yeah. and you explain briefly what that means. It's not educating people on how to be psycho, totally. um, but I'm assuming that part of it is sort of teaching people about what we're talking about, about attachment, and how it's going to help their relationship, and then how do you teach them how to soothe each other? Yes. So it's, it's, um, well, I'm just go, you know, just to keep with that kind of, that, that kind of example of what I just kind of gave around my, uh, my different, our, our different styles of what we need, need for, for feeling soothed, my wife and I. So, you know, a couple can come in and they can either bring that up directly or, or I can, I can notice how there's a, um, there's, there's, some misunderstandings, right? People have lit, lit, like my, my, not to pick on my wife, but just, you know, like my wife did around, you know, leaping to the assumption that I don't like her touch or I don't really want to be close to her or something. So the, the education, you know, kind of comes in, in that moment where that, like we just did, where we bring that example forth and say, so this is about, you know, two different attachment styles and therefore kind of two different wirings and nervous system wirings. And, and we discover together, right. In session, uh, what, what, what are some other options here? Right. Um, the other, so along those lines, another thing I do is that's, you know, a big part of the pact model is, is really get into the nitty gritty about how they, how they greet each other in the morning, how they uh, say goodnight to each other, uh, how, what's their evening rituals or, or pat, uh, sort of pattern of interaction? What do they do in the evenings? And it's really interesting to hear you know them describe what they do, and that there's not a lot of there's not a lot of awareness, not a lot of consciousness around how these things that they do every evening actually leave them feeling very disconnected or dissatisfied and that they're actually operating under a lot of assumptions about what, about each other. Oh, I, you know, when you go and check your email, I just thought that you, that, that you don't want to be around me. And it may be that they're checking their email because they're under the same assumption about the other or what have you. There's, there's all manner of different thing, different um, stories that each partner is operating. That so the education is is in a, is in a sense just bringing those bringing those 
out in the open and then and then putting putting holding them within the context of of the pack model of of secure functioning like how how are those patterns how are those those behaviors either serving or you or not serving you know a secure functioning relationship meaning a relationship that both partners feel that they're being treated with a great deal of of sensitivity and care and fairness and therefore really feeling generally pretty good about being in the relationship. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that that stands for a psychobiological approach to couples therapy, P-A-C-T. And that's Stan Tatkin's work, his body of work, um, or rather, I guess the approach based on it. Um, and I really wanted to highlight what you said about rituals. So this is how we go to sleep at night, let's say, or how we, are in the evening together and then how we are in the morning together. Um, and you know, a lot of couples, a lot of people will not be together during the day, right? One person or the other is leaving to go to work. So what I'm hearing is it's important to kind of reestablish our bond, you know, at night and in the morning, which sounds pretty logical, but what, like what you're pointing to, you know, a lot of us aren't going to sleep at the same time of, of the evening. One person's going to bed before the other. One person's getting up before the other. Or, you know, like you said, like the the email thing, we don't necessarily have a lot of attention on what what are our rituals? How do we establish our bond, reestablish our bond, things like that. So I'm curious, like, do you have an example either from your own life or a couple you've worked with where they had like an evening or morning ritual that wasn't working and then they shifted or adjusted to one that was better for both of them? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a couple that comes to mind where the uh, husband was uh, worked till four, came home. The wife was a, did these twelve hour shifts uh, as a nurse, and their their ritual that wasn't working very good. It was kind of te- it wasn't horrible, but uh, she would she would come home at you know six or seven, and they would just go right into, you know, he may have been playing video games or doing whatever um, prior to that. And then they would go right into cooking a big, cooking a big meal, eating it, and then watching something together and falling asleep on the couch. So that was our, that was our kind of ritual. Also a very common ritual for many couples. Yeah. Yeah. Super common. Um, it's, it's, it's a form of, you know, it's a form of nervous system regulation, right? Food, you know, it's not, it's not horrible, but, but look, you know, exploring it, we can start to say, well, what would be, what would be a more connective, you know, rich ritual or, or, or a sequence. And, and I don't have to, you know, go in the whole process, but where we, you know, where he ended up was he actually gets the meal going. It was, it was actually good to come forth that she, she actually wanted a lighter meal, you know, in the evening because she can end up just kind of being zonked out, you know, with some of the food that he cooks. Um, so he's actually preparing the meal. So when she's, she comes home, it's, it's ready and asking her, and this was, was a woman that I could sense actually had a difficult time really asking for what she needs to, uh, to really be nourished. And so just kind of gently pressing her, it kind of came forth that what she would really love would be to just take, come home and take a bath. It's been a long day at the hospital and she would love to take a bath. And he would, and he was said, well, sure, you know, I'd love to draw the bath for you. 
you know, I mean, massage, you know, massage your feet in the bath and just be with you a little bit there. And she was just melt. She was like, can I do, is that okay? And she, he's like, yeah, that'd be, <laughs> I'd love to do that. And then they had a light dinner and then afterwards, actually just some time, you know, to during dinner and then after dinner to check in and um, not always maybe having, having some evenings where they watch something together, but other, some other very clear evenings where they're, or specified evenings where they're uh, taking some time to check in either verbally or maybe uh, cuddling or maybe listen, you know, listening to something uh, about their relationship, exploring, doing an exercise. Yeah. So that's, that's how it looks. That's a great example. I was really touched when you talked about the bath, like, especially the part of like, you know, it maybe wasn't very easy for her to name what she wanted or needed. And I think, you know, that's really part of why it can be helpful to have a couple's therapist or someone else holding the space for the couple, because it can be another kind of person helping hold that space and elicit truths. Um, Cause it can be really scary, you know, depending on her attachment style to ask for what she needs or wants. Cause she might feel like I won't be met there. Like it'll be denied and then I'll feel worse. Like if I ask for what I really want or need, like they'll say no. And then I'll feel even worse than I did before, which is, I think part of why that defense mechanism is established, right? Cause it just feels so awful when we ask and we're told no, that we learn to just not ask. Um, but that can have damaging effects in relationships. So I was really touched by that part, especially her saying like, wow, is that, would that be okay? Like, is that allowed? You know? Right. Yeah. You can almost hear that, that younger voice. That's like, can I, you know, am, am I, am I worth that? Or is that, you know, right. Is, are, are you going to actually be okay with my, my, my needs? And that's a, a, so it's a, it's a ritual that then becomes this deeply healing experience for that, for her. Yeah. And the other word that I really heard there was nourishing, mm-hmm. like what's going to nourish us rather than just kind of like watching Netflix. Like I heard a lot of sort of slowing down, like some evenings we watch something, but some evenings we're just, together and we talk or we cuddle and kind of slowing things down. Yeah. Yeah. And those kind of things are, I'm thinking about them too. And you know, that they're, you know, about to have a child too. And just think of how important that is to have the, have that time then, you know, prior, prior to child. Yeah. To really kind of establish, sort of cement that bond between them and have them have some skills and know how to soothe each other. Cause that's obviously going to become even more important adding the stressor of a child definitely yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, just, I wish i wish <laughs> when i think about it i wish you know, i had that that kind of coaching you know prior to having my child you know just that we 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 stumbled along and we we found our ways to being really supportive and nourishing to each other but that would have been, you know been great to have that really spelled out like this is what we do in the evenings Yes. This is how we connect. It's just, it's not, it's not an option. It's just basic because this is the strength of our life, the the health, the wellness, the, 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 the strength of our lives is, is dependent upon this relationship. That's right. The quality of our lives is dependent on the quality of our relationship. And that's, what's so encouraging about what you're talking about with the 
you know, psychobiological education and stuff like that is it's not rocket science, really. Like at the end of the day, it's not, it's very doable. And I find it encouraging actually to hear simple stories like that, where it's like, oh, I didn't know that this could basically, you know, change our whole relationship. Because if a couple goes to sleep, feeling connected, wakes up and feels connected before they leave the house, comes back and feels connected, you know, Oh, everything gets better, right? Everything gets better. It's an, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a nervous system thing, you know? And, and, and it's great. It's crazy. How, I think we just, because we live in such a cognitive culture, uh, intellectual that they, that how much energy is spent, uh, it, it seems on trying to figure, figure it out, figure the other person out. You know, you, you get into all these kind of crazy arguments and interactions because your nervous systems aren't well regulated because you're not relaxed with each other. And then you're just, you know, putting out fires and, and really there's a kind of a grassroots, like the bottom up uh, orientation that starts to dis- dispel all of that craziness. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it bottom up. Meaning even if you think about it from the human body, like, regulating our nervous system is a lot about how relaxed our actual bodies are. Are we breathing into our bellies? You know, can we feel our feet on the ground? You know, when we're not as regulated, we tend to breathe more quickly. We're sort of, we're, we're nervous. And a lot of times in our heads, something like that. So slowing, like being able to regulate our own nervous systems and those of our partners, that is advanced level relationship. And yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the, the present and the future, right? That's what we're learning is a lot of this is about our bodies, not our arguments or head, you know, our, our heady sort of rational arguments. Mm-hmm. It's about, do I feel safe right now? Do you feel safe right now? Gotcha. Like in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that we have to let you go soon. I'm wondering um, how can people find you and how can people find this kind of work? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have one last question. Okay. Um, so they can find me at, uh, ryanginn.com, G-I-N-N. And this work, so on my website, I do, uh, workshops on, on PACT, on the PACT model, and we'll be offering some online courses on it as well. And you can visit the PACT website too, P-A-C-T, uh, and Stan Tatkin's books, T-A-T-K-I-N, are just awesome, super supportive to relationships and my last question is how would a couple know it's time to see a couple's therapist oh yeah how would they know I, you know honestly I think any time is you know whether you're actually doing great you know but people when they're like in the beginning stages of a relationship though and they're kind of on on the drugs of that all the oxytocin and and everything that yeah you know, they're not going to be inclined but uh you know I think any any time is be great to uh to have some support right around what are your, you know, what are your agreements? What, what are your habits? What are some of the ones that even if you're doing pretty well, there's, you could really start to feel that they're going to start, start to wear on you. Um, uh, yeah, honestly, that's, that's my answer. I wish I, I wish I had, you know, had the support from the beginning in my relationship. Uh, and you know, what I'm, what I'm also trying to create is, is just a, a total destigmatization, depathologizing of couples therapy or couples work that it's just a kind of a no brainer. Like, 
of course we do this. Like this is the most important relationship we are in and we're not really taught very much about how to navigate it. So let's get together like in, in small groups and, and talk about all the different wonderful techniques and tools that are out there. Yeah, I really like that. I think I'm, I'm equally passionate about it. And I think that it needs to be taught in schools. We need to be teaching this proactively in schools rather than waiting until couples are in crisis to <laughs> intervene. Um, and, and one thing I, I really like about the PACT model, like you said, um, it's, it does depersonalize it. It's not like the husband's fault or the wife's fault or one is doing something wrong. It's, it's, it, it makes it more about how this person's nervous system is regulated and how this person's nervous system is regulated. So it, it takes away some of the blame game. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful in terms of going in, knowing I won't be attacked or blamed for how I am being in this relationship. Cause I have a feeling some people avoid couples counseling cause they, they don't want to like have a counselor take the spouse's side or like things like that. Yeah. So there's something really beautiful about the model itself being about, this isn't about blame or shame. This is about how do you regulate? How does your partner regulate? How can we have you regulate better together? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really the case at the story, at least or the experience that's particularly the case for, for men uh, that they'll be, because they often have such a, such a uh, identification with competency and adequate, you know, adequacy issues. And, and that when, you know, entering into maybe a couple's therapy process, they might, they might, exp, you know, fear, yeah, that, the, that they'll be being judged as incompetent in the relationship. And like you said, being blamed. And um, so they want to just avoid it rather than just recognizing that, well, we all are pretty incompetent at different, in different ways in relationship. It's, God, that's so true. <laughs> that is so it's true. So hard. It's a whole, so complex. And on top of that, like you said, we're not we're not taught about how to navigate it. Yes, we're not taught about it yet. But I'm on a mission, so <laughs> I'm gonna get it into schools. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, and I really love the work you're doing. I really. I think it's important and I want to raise the profile of it. And I know, um, yeah, I just think just want to highlight one last thing, which is especially if there are any couples out there who are bringing a child into the world, very much encourage, you know, strengthening the bond of your relationship before that child comes into the world. So doing some of this work to understand this before that, that huge life change um, is a really good investment in your future. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure, Melanie. Yeah. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.